Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Pilato, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined in studio by Ron Beck, who is with Aspen Technology, Inc., the Marketing Strategy Director. I'd like to take a few minutes just to talk to you briefly about our mixer on October 30th in the Midland Permian Basin area. It's called the Permian Basin Midstream Mixer, and it is sure to be a sold-out event. For more information, go to shellmag.com. Again, shellmag.com, and you can purchase your tickets. We're still looking for sponsorships, and I hope to see you there. We'll have a lot of great door prizes and lots of opportunity to network, mingle, and mix it up. Also, just want to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the cover is on former... Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke. And boy, he is a very interesting person. I won't give away too much of his story, but I will say he is a great American. Definitely worth reading about. If you want to read all about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com. And now it's time to bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. And you know, I was going to say, as far as being beautiful in Texas, how about those Astros? Go Astros. They're in the World (laughs) Series, having a little bit of a struggle right now, but at least they made it to the World Series again. That's cool. You just see the excitement in Houston. I'm pretty glad to see them up there. And and I'm looking at them play. They're, They're doing a great job, but I also have to notice that the stadiums are full. And it's also nice to see that there's so much excitement from the energy companies to supporting the local teams mm-hmm. it now looks like the administration and uh and the chinese government are pursuing a more limited interim agreement as they uh, continue to negotiate an, an overall larger agreement uh, that would involve all facets of trade between the two countries and you know uh, any progress in that regard you know is a signal that maybe we might get the chinese economy cranked up and growing again which which spurs demand for for crude oil and and then the other thing that happened this week was that we had a very significant drawdown in oil inventories here in the united states this week after three weeks in which they had risen substantially and so that's just a signal that the market is rebalancing and and we're using more oil than we're we're producing here for a change and so Overall, uh, it did, you know, knock prices up a little bit in the $55, $56 range, which is, you know, much healthier than 52 So it was a good week. Excellent. Let's switch gears, talk about President Trump, because he was in Pittsburgh this past week speaking to the Marcella Shell Conference. I keep wondering, and what I've noticed is that while President Trump comes to Texas a lot for his rallies, he really hasn't come to an oil and gas conference here. Why do you think that's the case? He was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know, that's a tough state. It's a marginal state. It's a state he won in 2016 by a very small margin, I think 25,000 votes. 
You have a Republican senator there, Pat Toomey, whose public approval ratings are suffering. And so I, I think that the president agreed to go over there, uh, number one, because Joe Biden is spending so much time in that state and, right. and Elizabeth Warren. And so he's looking to shore up his base. And so he, that, that rally or that, that oil and gas trade conference ends up kind of serving the same purpose as, as one of the president's rallies. You know, he got a lot of local media coverage there in, in Pennsylvania and national media coverage as well. And so it's more of a political event in Texas, where he won by almost 10 percent of the vote in 2016. Uh, he's not nearly concerned about as concerned about winning Texas next year as he is about Pennsylvania. So uh, and plus, you don't have a senator. John Cornyn is, is very popular here in Texas and, and looks to have a pretty easy re-election campaign next year. So we don't need the help in Texas. The president doesn't need the help in Texas. And uh, so I doubt we'll see him speaking at any of our trade association conferences over the next year. Commissioner uh, Wayne Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission warned the oil and gas industry this week about the ongoing flaring of natural gas in the Permian Basin and how it threatens the industry's future. Why do you think he's chosen to make this an issue for the Permian Basin? Yeah, yeah you know, I think uh, that that has been a big issue for a long time. I think the commissioners, uh, Chairman Christian and the other commissioners, probably are, are tired of, of continuing to uh, approve these extensions uh, for flaring of natural gas. Uh, this week, they were faced with application uh, by one company to extend their ability to flare natural gas, even though the wells were now hooked up to a pipeline to take the gas out of the basin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you have a big issue like this that is causing all sorts of PR problems for the industry as right. a whole. Right. And, yeah, impacts on the environment, although they're really pretty minimal from flaring. But, um, you know, these companies you know, ought to be doing everything they can to stop flaring as rapidly as they possibly can. And I think, you know, that that uh, application to to extend flaring for a well that's hooked up to a pipeline uh, if I was a commissioner, I'd be irritated by that and uh, would would probably want to lecture the industry as well on this issue because let's be realistic about this and i wrote about it in the last issue of shell magazine this is this is an ongoing issue in every major shale producing basin over the last 20 years flaring of natural gas has become a major issue to the public at large and it, and it it just emphasizes the industry's impact very visibly on the environment and the surrounding communities. And and the industry, I love the oil and gas industry, spent my whole career in it, in it. But this is a major failing of the oil and gas industry in the United States, the failure to properly address the flaring issue. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, as I'm tired of it and having to write about it, and I'm sure the commissioners are tired of having to deal with it. <laughs> so I don't blame Chairman uh, uh, Christian and frankly commend him for his comments. We've done interviews and I know Shell Magazine has done articles that there's technology out there that captures it and repurposes it so there's really not a need for flaring. Yeah. It's more of the economics behind it. But 
I think, you know, wiser people than me are really you and Commissioner Christian talking truthful about, look, you guys already have like a whole lot of other environmental issues uh, that they're, you know, sticking you guys with. Um, I don't know if you've you know, paid attention, but this past week also, Shell has been testifying to Congress about have they been avoiding addressing climate change enough. Right. And we have the, the lawsuit against ExxonMobil uh, started up this week. The trial on that started up in New York this week. And yeah, we have real environmental issues related right. to this industry that really do impact the climate and local communities. And then to have this flaring issue just linger on and on is so visible, even though the impacts are really, uh, you know, a pinprick in the grand scheme of things. It's the visibility of it. Why does this industry continue to allow itself to suffer this this PR black eye so needlessly? It it just doesn't make any sense. It it really doesn't. And, you know, maybe as it continues, because this, you know, discussion will continue on, maybe they'll find better ways of utilizing their money. I mean, I love the Astros, too. I'm from Houston. But as I was looking out and seeing that, I was like, I wonder how much resources could have been better used in the sense to help its own industry kind of strange to think about it that way but uh, I thought about that too and I was like see you might have used that in different ways but then again these we're not talking about the same companies we're talking about other companies but it's just as a whole I think the industry could get together and do a lot better PR like you're saying for themselves but great show our great segment this week thank you for uh, talking to us and I look forward to having you back next week when we get back from break we're going to be joined by Ron Beck who is with Aspen Technology Inc the marketing strategy director you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs 
and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by Ron Beck, who is the Marketing Strategy Director for Aspen Technologies, Inc. Ron, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. So good morning, Kim. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on the show today. You know, it's always a great thing to have people come into the studio as opposed to call-ins. There's just so much more of a better vibe, if you will, so much more excitement going on. And uh, you never know who you're going to run into in the studios, uh, iHeart or wherever we may be, run into some pretty popular, famous people as well. So hopefully we'll run into somebody on the way out. That would be fun. So let's get started. You are the marketing strategy director, basically all things strategy for Aspen Tech Technology. You've been with them for about 11 years. So tell me a little bit about your role and then also, though, what is Aspen Technology for a lot of people who maybe are not familiar with this powerhouse of a company? Yeah, being market strategy director is a fun role, and it's also challenging. We, Our company sells a broad portfolio of software exclusively for the energy and chemical industries, um, which I'll tell you about in a second. So my role is how do we cohesively explain the value of that software to industry people, both executives and technical technical buyers of the software. So that's an interesting and challenging task. Um, In that role, I get to go around the world and meet with a lot of the major energy, chemical, and engineering companies around the world. Uh, It's interesting what's happening around the world today in the world of adopting technology to increase the um, profitability of energy and chemical companies, especially in this world of volatile markets. So that's basically what I do is is try to learn from what the industry is trying to accomplish, try to explain to key executives and customers how they should be and can adopt new technology to achieve their goals um, and also take back to my company um, how well our software is meeting their needs and what other things we should be doing in terms of innovation. So Aspen Technology, it's a 38-year-old, what we call a pure software company, so that means all just we just making software. Only make software. We have a large number of uh, of R and D people who basically just sit there every day developing software. And the interesting thing is, most of our uh, R and D people are technical people experienced in the industry. They're either uh, chemical engineers, uh, petroleum engineers, other things like that. 
although more recently we've uh, recruited a large number of experts in machine learning, artificial intelligence, and analytics. So we're 38 years old. Our largest R&D centers are in Boston, Houston, and we also have a center in Shanghai, China. Um, and we're doing business with most of the energy and chemical companies around the world in energy upstream and downstream, both the l- world's largest majors as well as independents. We're growing today at a, over 10% a year. Um, and we're, we're creating a lot of excitement in the market because we've shifted our company from our traditional businesses in terms of engineering and operating assets, both oil fields and refineries and chemical plants. But also now we're one of the leading innovators in the world in AI software and how to apply AI software to solve industry problems. Um, so applying analytics and machine learning to oil and gas. I'd say our killer app that the market and customers are most excited about today is a prescriptive maintenance technology. It's called MTEL. Um, it's received a lot of excitement in the market and quite rapid adoption over the last two years. What it is is what we call low-touch machine learning. So that means uh, it, it embeds very advanced uh, analytics to take huge streams of data from a refinery or a pipeline or a oil field and apply that to understanding the reliability of equipment and to predict when equipment will fail. Um, but low touch means basically that that's all hidden from the user so that a, what we call Joe Normal or a normal maintenance engineer or operating person can understand the software and use it easily. So that's pretty unique. And the goal is to predict asset failures up to 60 to 70 days in advance. So, But at the broader picture, our total portfolio encompasses the entire value chain of the energy industry. So the design of assets, the operation of them, and the maintenance and reliability of them, and of course, uh, safety, but also the supply chain mm-hmm. from, you know, getting the oil and gas from the oil field itself through to uh, when it exits the refinery and gets shipped out to retail customers. You know, listening to how diverse, but yet cutting edge, Aspen Technology is with what it's doing and in really disrupting the way that oil and gas used to uh, do things. And now uh, it's very automated and very techy and very uh, driven uh, with all the latest technology. And it's, it seems to me if you can detect and help a company detect when their equipment is down before it goes down through routine maintenance, through apps and different types of programs, you know, what does it cost for a customer or a client to be down? If you think about it, especially in, in any area of oil field, whether it's up, mid or downstream, it's, it's, it's a financial hardship for them most definitely anytime they're down. But then I also think about the perception, which definitely is not the reality when we look at who are the type of people that are working in the oil and gas industry? And they're some of the smartest and brightest. But yet there seems to be sometimes an image problem with the millennials not really wanting to work in this because they don't think that oil and gas is cutting edge and techy and sexy enough, if you will. But it couldn't be the opposite. It's, it's completely the opposite. This is where everything is changing in the world. It begins in what oil and gas is developing you know, at this level and, and companies like Aspen Tech that is like leading the way in just pure technology disruptors in the way of software that can help uh, create these efficiencies for these operators or for the refineries or for the midstream companies. I really did want to just kind of cover that because I think that, you know, what you said could have gotten lost and people not understanding that we've just moved into a, a place now where it is extremely technical and 
you can detect things just like if you were to get hooked up to a blood pressure uh, machine and the doctor knows you have high blood pressure. Well, the energy industry, oil and gas is changing too and becoming very automated uh, with companies. And I think what's happened is one of one of the reasons there's so much excitement and but also some confusion about this. The CEOs know this to be true. So they worry whether you're a large company or a small company, if you're the CEO of a whether you're a CEO of ExxonMobil or of an independent or a supplier, you worry every day about your workforce. So you know you have this aging workforce, you have a lot of expertise, maybe right. somebody who has 30 years in a particular oil field. Now, Ron, when we come back from break, I want to talk a little bit about distinctiveness about Aspen Tech in the energy arena. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and our guest today is Ron Beck, who is a Marketing Strategist Director for Aspen Technologies. Ron, before the break, we were talking about how really techy the oil and gas industry is. Companies like Aspen Tech have had their finger on the pulse, if you will, pertaining to the energy arena and making sure that you guys are creating software that keeps them definitely disrupting the status quo and bringing them into definitely a modern, very techy arena. What makes Aspen Tech distinctive in the energy arena? Yeah, so what makes our company distinctive is, so some of the listeners here will know um, some of our software that's been used for decades in the industry. So, for example, we have a product called Aspen Hysis, which is a modeling tool. Probably almost every oil field in the world, the processing facilities, the gathering systems, the separation, they were all designed using that software. So it's at the root of almost every oil field around the world, if you think of it, and refineries. So everybody's already kind of using Aspen Tech exactly. anyway. <laughs> right. But but so the distinctive thing today is, however, we now, as I said, we've got um, some very advanced uh, AI and analytics tools we're introducing. And so the distinctive you know, value that we believe Aspen brings to the market is a combination of decades of experience in running and modeling oil facilities, the specific knowledge of the industry tied to advanced analytics and the new, the new and the old. And it's really the combination of the two which will make the industry work in the future. I think everybody, one of the hesitancies in the industry in adopting new new stuff is, well, we have a complex industry Safety is so crucial in the oil industry. Um, How can we introduce new things and be sure they work? Yeah, people understand the data, but do they understand our systems? So what we do is combine the two, if you will, sort of we call it embedded AI. So we're embedding AI in all these traditional tools. So people who are used to using them will still use them, but they'll be, if you will, supercharged 
jet charged almost. So, and it, you see this in the companies that are successfully using it. So they'll partner up somebody who maybe has 30 or 40 years experience, let's say, in that oil field, in that pipeline, in that refinery, uh, with some hotshot 25, 28-year-old people who have been hired who understand AI and analytics. And if you pair those people up and the same thing and take this software that takes the old and the new, now you have a winning combination. The new person can help the experienced, grizzled old veteran Mm-hmm. to get excited about the new technology and understand what it's doing for them. And the experienced guy can help the new guy understand, well, okay, this is what this data means in terms of what's actually happening. There's oil flo- flowing through the system, and that's what this is all about. It kind of makes sense because everybody is using smart technology, rather it's the Google application or if it is uh, Siri or if everyone, smart TVs. So we're all using them and it just makes sense that the oil and gas sector would also be taking advantage of artificial intelligence, which is obviously learning patterns and processes and then applying them. And then you hire these young, wonderful millennials that are looking at it from fresh eyes. And of course, you have like this amazing dynamic happening. And I think we're seeing it in the oil and gas industry with so many of the large majors getting like the future is in software has arrived and taking advantage of it. We need to for many reasons, but mostly because it's going to create efficiencies and add to safety as opposed to human error, I would imagine. Now, there's many, many people in this digital transformation. It's a it's a huge, broad term, right? We use it on everything. And, and one of the things that I recognized you know, I keep interviewing people is everyone's using that term and it's so broad in oil and gas and it's really hard to wrap your mind around what is the digital transformation because everyone is saying they're doing it but yet it is so different depending on if you're talking to upstream or downstream or midstream uh, or somebody that's outside of oil and gas so I want to break down a little bit about how Digital transformation is happening specifically in the oil and gas stream as soon as we return from break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org.
We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Ron Beck, who is with Aspen Technology. Ron, before the break, I was kind of talking about digital transformation, and it's such a broad term. It's used a lot. So I wanted to just kind of drill down into a few examples of how technology is disrupting the energy business, if you will. So give me some examples of how this is happening. So, yeah, let me give, I'll give you a couple quick, very quick examples, maybe uh, an upstream example and a refining example. Um, so here's a good uh, upstream example to illustrate the point. So um, one of the largest um, North Slope operators, I can't tell you the name, but they let me tell the story. Um, so they had a couple of very experienced guys, I think, have been working up there 30 years, retire. And um, those guys would analyze data from the oil field every week and go back to the operators the week after. And now we're tell, talking about manually with like a clipboard and a pencil. Well, with a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet. So, okay. so the, you know, most oil fields actually are collecting data into some sort of what's called a data historian. So there's that's one of the challenges here. There's lots of data, but people, everybody knows, I think it's a well-known statistic in energy that 80 to 90 percent of the data that's collected never makes it to the decision makers to make timely decisions. So that's really... Honestly, that's what digitalization is really about. It's about how do you mobilize? You're, the industry is collecting data. It has for years. It's spent a lot of money on it, but it's not using it effectively. Right. It just stores it. So anyway, they would run this spreadsheet every every week and go back to the people up on the North Slope and say, this is why your compressors weren't running efficiently last week. This is what you should change. So you're sort of a week behind always. But that's what these guys were doing, and the, it was the best they could do. So they came to us and said, okay, We've had these people retire. We don't know what to do. We've got a little bit of money that used to be spent on the, these guys' work. So what can you do for us? So we took um, some of some uh, uh, models of the oil field and uh, simplified them down. And basically in about uh, three weeks, put together a model that they could actually place on the oil field, uh, not physically, but you know, on the computer system that was collecting the data. Every few minutes, it would run this model and create what's called a digital twin. So it's basically creating a, a virtual, telling you what's actually happening with your equipment. And then we created a very simple display so that the operators could see the critical information about the efficiency of their systems. And so then this was put online and given to them. And now all of a sudden they were able to look at what was happening in real time, why this funny noise is coming from the compressor, why isn't it running efficiently, how much gas are we being able to inject back into the oil field, make changes. And within about two weeks of starting to run this, they were able to return back $2 million in increased crude production, which created a lot of excitement. Uh, across yeah, $2 that million. Dollars. But that, and that was, you know... Probably, you know, like I said, just a couple of weeks of work to put that online. So that's very simple. Uh, let me give you a second example. Um, the company down in Trinidad and Tobago called DeNovo Energy. So as most people know, Trinidad has a lot of oil reserves. Um, it's very close to Guyana where ExxonMobil just discovered a huge uh, project. But there were a lot of, there were a few fields there that had been explored and delineated for actually a decade or more but never turned into a real producing field. Um, so this company, a bunch of local investors, you know, bought those, those uh, prospects and decided we're going to create a, uh, basically a new independent, a Trinidad native company 
and they decided they were going to do this all digitally. So they implemented our digital software f across that entire project and then got a bunch of young graduates from Trinidad. So they wanted to make it all local talent, got everybody all excited about it and basically put these fields that nobody thought would be economic online within about a year may, are making a lot of money. They have a lot of pride in their local uh, production and a lot, and they're, all, they're adding to that. They're making a lot of money and they've created what you were talking about. How do you get the new generation of people excited about working and proud of working for their entity? So this is a second example um, without getting into the specific software. Just one quick third example. You know, one of the, th we were talking before the show, uh, Kim, about some of the older refineries in the Houston area, the Texas area, the Corpus area. You know, there's a lot of, there hasn't been a new refinery built in North America in many years, as most people know. So, you know, one of our big customers is one of the largest refiners in North America. And we went to them with this new prescriptive analytics um, maintenance software um, about a year ago and spent about six months sort of testing it out with them uh, on some of their major pieces of equipment. And they, in that process of testing it, you know, without having, before they even decided to fully commit to it, uh, we found uh, four different examples where some equipment was going to fail in the future. But one of the key things about this artificial intelligence technology is it can tell you not only is this going to fail, let's say, 60 days from now, but why? So, so you know, something's happening with the temperature changes. or the pressure. So if you make these changes, you can avoid this problem. So they were in the process of this testing. They actually were able to s s basically save a few pieces of equipment that would have broken down and have major repairs on them um, by making these adjustments that the software had told them, you know, was, was causing the problem. Um, and on the basis of that, now they've decided to, to go ahead and fully implement this across all of their network of refineries across you, the globe. So, you know, I got to say that I really am enjoying hearing about how the oil and gas industry is definitely moving into a place where they're owning a lot of the digital transformation that's occurring in their own sector. And that's so important because we know that there is not going to be a shortage of demand for energy in the future, not globally and worldwide. And the United States has always been one and the energy sector globally has always been also leaders in finding ways to develop things that are techie savvy, if you will, as well as trying to stay ahead of technology for, I guess, reasons that would probably rank more around efficiencies when they have to report back to their shareholders. So it makes perfect sense for them to be doing it. But it also is, you know, we keep talking and talking and talking about the millennials, but they need a cause. They need to feel that they're engaged in something. And when we know that energy is so, so important and it's vital to the future for all of us, this is an area where I think that they can come and meet the energy sector on a comfortable platform for them, as well as the energy sector, of course, embracing them and taking some of the brightest and most talented young graduates coming out and putting them to work in this sector. When we return from break, there has been a lot of discussion on will AI replace workers. So I want to get your opinion on that. We do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. 
Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bolatto. And today we have Ron Beck in studio with Aspen Technologies. Ron, before the break, I did want to get your opinion on the fact that there's a lot of chatter about AI replacing workers. What is it? Is it going to replace workers in the oil and gas sector? How do you see this playing out in the oil and gas industry? Yeah, so I think it's a great question because there definitely is a fear factor there. I think a lot of the workers in refineries, oil fields, and so forth, there is a fear that... Okay, I think it's going on across anywhere, yeah, yeah, any absolutely. industry. You know, is my job going to go away? Are they going to replace me with an artificial intelligence widget right. or a robot running around the refinery? Um, and I would say the answer is no, and certainly not in the in the horizon we can all think about And one of the big reasons is, well, the energy industry is very complex. That's why those of us who work in it know it and love it. It's challenging, it's rewarding, but it's complex. There's safety involved. There are a lot of things involved in making money and so forth. Geopolitical situations, price of crude, price of natural gas. So there's a lot of different variables. Literally, that's exactly right. So what the software, what really we see the software doing is it's helping people to make smarter decisions. So and everybody helping, wants to be smarter. Yeah. So. so, and you could see, so one of the things that actually got the oil industry very excited about this was if you go back uh, over the last couple of years in the Permian when the oil prices all of a sudden fell and people figured out they could apply a lot of data analytics to figuring out how to drill wells faster and more cheaply, that got everybody to uh, open their eyes that you can save a lot of money. but And it's not necessarily taking people away. It's making people work smarter. Exactly. So you're actually, drilling, you're actually drilling more wells. You're just drilling them differently, right? Makes perfect sense. Right. So it's the same thing here that what this software is going to do, you talked about the volatility of prices. So let's say you're in a refinery. Well, you used to run a, maybe two refinery plans a month and figured out which one you would pick. Now you can run a a thousand or two thousand because the computers are much faster. 
the models are more sophisticated. The problem is, what are you going to do with a thousand different results and pick? How do you pick the best one? Well, you need something like artificial intelligence to tell you out of these a thousand, these ten look like the best. Now you, as the person, decide between these ten. So you're not. It's not telling you one answer. It's maybe winnowing down a much larger set of information into something a person can take action on. So what it's actually doing is it's actually making the work more interesting. It is, but it's also kind of strange when you think back. Everything that we're utilizing is smart. From credit, when you go and apply for credit, it's all off of a FICA score that has, you know, a million different scorecards coming together to give a score to the bank. Or if you're going and the our cars now will tell us when we need an oil change, we have a low tire. I mean, it is everywhere. And the energy industry isn't any different of looking and, and coming online and taking advantage, but to produce a more efficient product at a probably a lower price as well. And hopefully also encouraging some of the more younger millennials to come into the sector and and get involved with oil and gas. As we start winding down the show, what advice would you give companies? I'm sure there's probably a lot of companies that are still struggling with, yeah, it sounds great, but, you know, am I ready to make this transition? And obviously, you know, my standpoint would be how can you afford not to? I know that, you know, obviously investment is important in any company, but do you still see that there are companies struggling with diving into this area here? And what advice is it that we need to be trying to give to them to say it's time for everyone to start making these changes, investing in your company in this uh, smart technology and and software? Yeah. So, I mean, the advice I'd give, and thanks for asking that question. um, I mean, I, as I said at the beginning, I get to travel around the world a lot. So one of the things I can tell you as workers or leaders in energy companies here in Texas uh, is the change is happening, and I see it happening. And in certain regions, yes, and it's very the uh, companies outside the U.S. Some of them are getting very aggressive about it. They're seeing, hey, here's finally an opportunity. The price of entry to adopting technology is lower. We can leapfrog some of the old slow American companies. They may be huge, but they're not moving very fast. So we in the U.S. need to move much faster and be innovative. So I think there's a couple things you need to think about. So as workers, people need to be open to change. It's not taking away your job, but you have an opportunity to do very exciting, important work. People need the opportunity to be retrained. The people need to want to be retrained. The culture needs to change as you introduce all this data and decision-making tools and, like you said, scorecards. So where should we, which places most at risk out in our oil field, where should we send the people and so forth? Um, It's changing the culture so it becomes a flatter organization. Different people can make decisions. The managers who are used to controlling everything need to let go a little bit and let people use all these tools to to do make decisions. But then at, at the final analysis, it's, this change is happening faster than people believe. So you need to start doing something now. Don't necessarily start on a huge thing. Start start on some area, what we would call the low-hanging fruit. Where can you get value today? Because you know you have a problem today. 
It might be the reliability of certain systems. It might be something that's not making you enough profit. How do I improve my yield in this particular area? But start somewhere. Try something. Let some of the younger people pair up with the more experienced people and make these teams that can make sort of lead the way for a company to uh, to start this evolution. And no doubt that I think that the companies who are going to embrace more of the newer technologies that are coming online and softwares that create efficiencies, these are the companies that, in my opinion, are also going to last or have an opportunity to last longer than companies that are clunky, they're outdated, they're not modernized, they're not attracting new workforce that's not so sexy anymore in this day and age. And this, I guess, maybe might leave them more vulnerable for acquisition or things that maybe they're not necessarily wanting to do, but are having really, really don't have any choices because they've let it, you know, just kind of fester. Interesting to see what's happening in the energy sector pertaining to this digital transformation. And I do want to thank you for coming in today, kind of explaining some of the things that are happening on y'all's end, and of course, how some of the upstream, midstream, and downstream companies have been utilizing it, taking advantage of it to make, of course, their workforce and, of course, the company way more efficient. So thank you, Ron, for coming in. And I look forward to having you back. Yes, this was great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. In the oil patch, is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.